Inside the Bearcats podcast. I'm Paul Daner Jr. and I'm here to take you behind the curtain of UC Athletics where we'll discuss all the topics that UCU care about and quite a few that you really don't care about. All right, let's go. Eight seconds to go. SK dribbles into the front court. Joe Patkin pulls up from three. His shot. Good! 2.5 to go. Joe Patkin buries one. Green out to Abernathy, looking for a block, he's got it, down to the 10, the 5, touchdown, Bearcats! Alright, welcome to the latest edition of the Inside the Bearcats podcast, the first podcast of 2013 so happy new year to everybody out there of course we can't do a first podcast of the new year without having our favorite guest of the old year on (laughs) tommy g in the house with us tommy thank you uh for joining us back on the podcast did you have any new year's resolutions I'm, i'm happy to be here um you know i don't know that i necessarily had any new year's resolutions per se that i wrote down on paper or or put on I don't have Facebook, so I couldn't have put it on Facebook or Twitter yeah. or, or or MySpace or Friendster or anything like that. But uh, I did, uh, I did make a resolution to uh, use this new sparkly microphone as much as possible. Is that, is that Beyonce's? Is, is that Beyonce's uh, microphone? I mean, it's not bedazzled, but it is an RE11 uh, dynamic cardioid. It's shiny. So we we unearth this, and uh, I'm going to use this as much as possible. And, and and as the listeners can tell at this point in, in podcast number one of 2013 that, that I'm coming through crystal clear. So it's a it's a fine instrument. It is a fine instrument, but I think it's kind of meant to make me feel inferior here. It's Maybe. your way of saying that I get the bright microphone, you get the old black Squishy. windscreen. Yep. I mean, it's... Well, you're, the way that you whip the microphone around, I had to throw a windscreen out there. It, it concerns me that there might be some, uh, some my, my technique, interference. My technique isn't the strongest, but I mean, I, I don't know. I'm kind of intimidating, but I don't want to. I don't want to keep. I don't want to keep going on about your okay. beautiful microphone. We can move forward. We can come back to New Year's. Yeah, well, I, I, I want to thank everybody for listening because uh, it's it. There's a lot to talk about these days. There's been a ton <laughs> going on. Uh, in this building, although it's kind of nice to, you know, most times you flip the calendar and you get a little overwhelmed thinking about all the things you have going on. But I think around here, everybody kind of just took a breath of fresh air and said, man, I'm happy December's over. Yeah, there's, it was an amazing <laughs> month around here. It was. It was a wild month and, uh, you know, things wrapped up in great fashion with a basketball win on the final day of 2012 at Pittsburgh. And I was on that trip and got back. And I think, uh, you know, coming in this week some people may may have taken an extra day the students still aren't back so that that craziness and buzz hasn't yet returned to the linder center we'll see that next week but uh i think you're absolutely right that a lot of people there hasn't been a home event this week so everybody's kind of stepped back and said big exhale well deserved well deserved extra day off eat a little bit of extra leftovers from the new year recover and uh, i came in so there was no extra day off. that's what you do that's what so we do. Here there are there are no there are no days no days off in the suite. It's always it's all go all the time. I was surprised actually you didn't come in to do it. I mean, right out of the gate, January first. It podcast. was it was thought about. It was it, it was Define considered thought about. It was con- it was considered for a minute, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I said, you know <laughs> to what? To the point Thursday. where you didn't even contact me. So <laughs> yes. well, long consideration. Yeah, that's well, true. It, it, it wasn't. It, it was thought about inside of my own brain, and then I realized, you know what? I think Thursday would be yeah. a, a better time to do that. Let's. I can dig it. Let's let. So we got plenty of time. You know, we've got 
Saturday. So next next event will be Saturday, St. John's home game. Yep. Um, four o'clock. Yep. And so that it will coincide with the Bengals playoff game. I know a lot of people will be, but listen, you can get the UC game in. Flip over, catch the second half of the Bengals right. game, all the same. Uh, and, and I, sh- I expect a lot of fans uh, that to come to Fifth Third Arena, and I talked to some folks this morning, and it sounds like there will be a great crowd on hand. There's a lot of tickets out, but I think yeah. I expect fans to bring not one, but two transistor radios with them because who doesn't have two transistor radios sitting around, <laughs> Walkman-type deals. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And you bring the earbuds, and now you're going to need two sets of earbuds. One earbud in the right ear with Dan Horde on the Bengals call. One earbud in the left ear with me on the call of the uh, UC basketball game. So you can get the inside of the basketball game while you're watching it, but at the same time, stay in touch with the football game with Dan. Get your Dan Horton. And your head will be spinning like never before. This is uh, this could be a very confused crowd on hand then. If, if, if they're all going with this setup, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people. Triple stimulation. Really unsure of what is going on around them. Random cheering for no reason. Although I found that confusing because we had the uh, – when the New Mexico game was going on the same time as the Belk Bowl. Football updates. Well, there was, there was just roars coming from the crowd, which apparently some of the suite holders had turned TVs toward the student section. And those of us uh, sitting there in press row had no idea. We were trying our best to follow on Twitter. Right. Um, but didn't know. And all of a sudden these roars coming up – and I thought it was just for the way Justin Jackson was dribbling in preparation for his free throw. Uh, you didn't know really. You really didn't know what was going on. Turns out it was the fumble and the Kelsey reception and all of those things were going on. It was it was really kind of a wild uh, experience to see inside of Fifth Third. Of course, it's even wilder doing. You know, I'm not used to doing this. Watching a game develop on Twitter that you're not actually watching when your entire timeline is full of UC people. Right. Uh, so it was. So odd to see. All I saw was 14 wows came down about at the same time, uh, and, and I wonder. Oh, I assume something important has happened. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's going on somewhere in the world. Somewhere in the world, something incredible has just happened, uh, and that was the time of the the Kelsey reception. All the craziness at the end of that game, which you know what we should get to because I want to. I agree. You were there. You were there in beautiful. What do you think of Charlotte? By I way? love Charlotte. Charlotte's a city. I've been to a lot. I have family down there. So not only was I excited to see my nieces and, and my in-laws down there uh, and spend some time with them, but uh, I love Charlotte. I've had a great time every time I've been to Charlotte. Uh, it was a bowl game. You know, you always want to go to a BCS Bowl. There's no question. But yeah. if that's not an option, that's a bowl game that I would have loved to go to, uh, you know, in years past. And, and they never called Cincinnati's name in the past, and they did this time. And I think the city and, and the Belk Bowl folks did a great job at hosting UC. And so, yeah, I absolutely love love charlotte and we stayed right downtown there's a lot of great things going on restaurants uh bars and and all types of things so no it was, it was a great location and uh, a great facility to have a bowl game in. seemed to be a pretty good crowd uh, yeah there for that and a, a good tons a, of bearcats a good man. uc contingent i mean yeah. it's this school really has proven that it will travel very well I, i've been really impressed at every turn when uc's had a bowl game whether it's been premier the orange and the yeah. sugar, or whether it was Liberty, or now with the Belk, Papa they, John's. Papa John's. I mean, there really has always been a strong UC contingent that loves to go travel in yeah. these bowl games, and really, the last few years have been rewarded. I mean, two of the more exciting, fun games uh, that you'll see in the bowl season the last couple of years, and UC's come out on top both times. This one particularly interesting. Um, Give me some behind the scenes of the swings on the sideline huh. over the last two to three minutes of that game because uh, I think your 
your tweets that I saw were what pandemonium part one and pandemonium part two right. occurred. And I was just wondering, I, that's why I had to go back and watch it again to see what exactly was going, what was, what was going on? Well, it, I mean, it was just a wild, wild game, swinging emotions all over from, you know, everybody felt good. Everybody felt confident, you know, going into that game and they came out and, and everything was going Duke's way early. And what is 16 to nothing. I mean, right. the only thing in that early stretch that went the Bearcats way was the blocked extra point that actually didn't end up being a two-point conversion. Right. That was the only thing that had fallen in favor of Cincinnati at that point in the ball game. So it's 16 to nothing, and everybody's kind of scratching their heads, and I believe that the Bearcats get a field goal and they get on the board for the first time, and, and then things start to, to roll in favor of Cincinnati, and they roll off 24, 27 you know, consecutive points and, and make some big plays in there. and you know, So things start to go, but it goes from – Okay, and I don't know that there was panic, but there was certainly concern on the Cincinnati sideline and, and a lack of enthusiasm to, okay, now we're feeling pretty good. But then Duke, you know, they they countered, and, and, and they were right back in it. And then you're down to less than two minutes left, and Duke is driving and really has a chance. And, and I remember Jim Kelly on the air, you know, talking to Dan and saying, you know, Dan, this is a situation where Cincinnati maybe needs to just allow them to score. Let them go in yeah. and go up seven get a chance to tie it and send it to overtime. I mean, like, you hate to do that, but but the way it was going for Duke, if they don't score, they run the clock out, and it goes and, – and they kick a field goal, that's presumably, it. and that's that. Yeah. And, you know, so all of a sudden, Brandon Mills' uh, rear end pops the football loose, and, mm-hmm. and John Williams is there to fall on it, a, a fifth-year senior who had one year playing for the Bearcats after transferring in from Central Michigan, and – you know, I kind of went to him the next morning as we were getting on the airplane. I said, John, i got to ask you something. I forgot to ask last night. He said, what's up? And I said, uh, did you have that ball from the, from the get-go? Because you know those scrums. He said, I did, and there was no way anybody was taking it from me. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, he told me that the Duke equipment manager had to literally, you know, Duke plays with their football, Cincinnati plays with their football. The Duke equipment manager had to come out of the Cincinnati bench and take the football from John. That's how long he had that football coming off of that uh, fumble recovery. So, yeah. you know, and then suddenly, okay, you're backed up, but you got a shot. And you, a couple plays later, there's Travis Kelsey, and, and the pandemonium breaks out. And then a couple plays after that, Nick Temple with the interception for a touchdown, and, and, and then that was the ball game. So it was, it was exciting. It was uh, nerve-wracking at times. It was kind of crazy on the Bearcats bench because people were filling in in roles they never had before, um, you know, as they pieced together a coaching staff. But uh, a lot of people deserve credit for not giving up and, and, you know, for overcoming adversity to win that game. Did you call any plays? <laughs> Did, I mean, it, the, you know, it was one of those things where much was made on the ESPN broadcast about the small staff mm-hmm. and the the assistants and, the you know, the, the – GAs, GAs that are putting together play in. sheets. Did you did you put any play sheets? Were you holding any play sheets I, up? I, I mean, didn't. But did I you rally the could troops? Have, you know, you know. I think everybody was trying to to pitch in. We had Shane, uh, you know, signal a couple plays as a decoy. I think, yes. uh, you know, <laughs> which was because, more of an itch than anything. I don't yeah. think he actually was signaling but, anything. But if Duke thought he was, that was yeah. fine. Nobody had a problem with that. Um, I mean, but the the reality is that it was a team effort, and it was kind of humorous to me because I found out pretty quickly. I started getting text messages when Coach Cutcliffe accused Cincinnati of running a 12th player on the field at the end of the half. Yeah. And, I mean, I thought that was hilarious because, you know, things were discombobulated on the Cincinnati bench because they were shorthanded. Remember that, uh, you know, you only had half your staff. You only had five, you know, assistant coaches, one of which was now the acting head coach. Yeah. Two of which were calling plays who hadn't called plays all year. Now – 
in a normal situation under Butch Jones' staff, the guys who are in charge of personnel, meaning Paul Daner is injured, who comes in for Paul Daner? Okay, Shane's the one who comes in because Paul was hurt. They have the one, twos, and threes, you know, for specialist everything on a chart. And if somebody gets hurt, they cross you out. And I've watched it over three years. Well, the two people who handle that is the strength staff, Dave Lawson and Mike Scherzen. You know where they are right now? Tennessee. Rocky Top. Yep. Yeah, they were in Knoxville, so they were not on the bench. Well, there's two new strength coaches in. Those guys are here. They're coming with Tommy Tuberville. They were on the bench. But they, not capable of doing that because they don't know the guys. Right. They just got there. <clears throat> so, you know, you had, you had different people handling personnel who hadn't done that before. You have GAs who are now in assistant coaches roles. You have managers who are now in GA roles. There was no way Cincinnati had a 12th man on the field. Yeah, certainly not purposely. There's no doubt about that. They that, did, but not purposely. You're yeah, right. no, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's no way that you could claim that this staff was, was able to do anything diabolical. Right. They were oh, just trying to get survive, the game plan out Survive, win, there. and advance. Exactly. And, and I thought that what the team did in that respect, going out there, coming out with a win, considering what was going on with the staff, and considering that this was just – a bunch of players just coming together and, and trying to find a way amidst chaos, which was what those last two weeks were in preparation and leading up to the game was nothing but just chaos with these guys. And uh, and to win it in that fashion was fun for them, fun for the fans that went down there, and, and entertaining for everybody that watched. I mean, uh, we joked around about it the next day, around with some people, we just called it just just a Belk Bowl for the ages, you know, right. one that you'll never forget. Right. But it's true. It, it's, it's a bowl game that I think most UC fans, certainly the ones that were there, will not forget. You mentioned Travis Kelsey. Um, he will come into both these next two topics I want to come into, which is some of our favorite moments of this past season and looking forward uh, with with UC football right now because Travis Kelsey had played pretty well in his career in his spots up before this year. But he wasn't a star. No, he was not a star. He played himself not only into a star – he played himself into a, a premier NFL prospect. Oh, yeah. And when uh, I was in the Bengals locker room the day after that Belk Bowl, and uh, Thomas Howard came up to me and said, who is that tight end? He was pulling away from guys. And I said, he's been doing that all year. And tight ends aren't supposed to pull They're away. They're not supposed to. Not Ralph from David Abernathy supposed to pull away. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think Travis Kelsey has caught the eye of anybody that wasn't paying attention, certainly was after seeing that play and the plays that he's made all year, he really turned into really the, the focal point of the offense, once, especially once Brendan Kay came in. And they had a really great connection uh, going oh, yeah. both ways. And he's now a guy that is, from projections you're hearing now, third to fifth round, could go higher or lower depending on combines. I mean, you know, you saw what happened with Adrian Robinson. He, he ran really well here last right. year, and that got him into the fourth round. With right. What he had done, I mean, Kelsey's – Kelsey's measurables are pretty ridiculous. And I would know, you know, that that Travis has signed with an agent, which is completely legal now. He played his last collegiate game. Yep. He signed with the same agent as Derek Wolf. Yep. And uh, that agent did pretty good for Derek Wolf. Um, You know, I would say if we had sat here a year ago, we probably would have said Derek Wolf's in that, what, three to four range? Yeah. With if things go well, he's in the two range. And and the Broncos had him rated as a first-round draft pick. They just did not have one. Right. If they had had one. You know, at they the told the him they round, were going to take him. They told him they were going to take him, yeah. or they considered trading up. And the way the draft worked out, he didn't go in the first round. But you know what? He won in the second round. He had what six sacks as a as a rookie in the regular season. He has a postseason ahead of him, and 
you know, potentially a couple postseason games to continue to shine. And, you know, does that mean that Travis Kelsey is going to be an early second-round pick? No, he's got to keep working. Right. But he's transformed himself over four years. And, uh, you know, I I find it interesting because everybody remembers they ran him in that wild Kelsey formation when he scored a couple touchdowns against Rutgers as a true freshman or, uh, excuse me, in his freshman year and uh, on the field. And, you know, Brian Kelly's staff, that was Brian Kelly's last year, they saw potential in him. And and I remember talking to those guys, and as the season went on, they said he has the potential as a tight end to be an NFL stud. Yeah. And, you know, it's played out despite a coaching change, uh, you know, and and a few coaching changes for him over the course of his career that, you know, he's going to have that opportunity. He's got to work hard. He's going to train at the same place in Florida that Derek Wolf trained at. So you know he's going to be in great physical shape. And if he stays healthy and has great workouts, then, yeah, I'd expect him – you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a second or third round draft pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember talking to Derek Wolf uh, at the UC Pro Day and him telling me that I'm hearing that the couple teams told me their first round pick, if he's there, they're going to take him. I remember kind of laughing to myself a little about it, thinking I, I hadn't heard that. That's kind of that's kind of crazy. But, you know, football people know what they're looking for and know what they want and they they see and they saw that in Derek Wolf last year and you can see that in Travis Kelsey. I mean a guy that can be a game changer and in an NFL right. where the the tight end is now more valuable than ever in their eyes and a copycat league where everybody wants the next Rob <laughs> Gronkowski or Jimmy Graham right. insert here and you look at the numbers that Travis Kelsey put up just production wise they're top 5 top 10 across all major tight end categories and he can block a face off too he's very very physical he's big fast got all those things he's a it it wouldn't be crazy to see him be a riser up draft boards and we'll have plenty of time to document that as we get uh closer in towards april but i I, you know where does you know his i think back to this season and think about his pass uh his pass that he threw uh you know even uh you know the one he caught from george when he he was he was he was a centerpiece of a couple of trick plays yeah and it's funny because we were going to media day on the day before the game um, and we were waiting down in the lobby, you know, for the cars to take us over there. And the three players sitting together were Kay, Wynn, and Kelsey. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are our tricksters. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, they're not pulling the practical jokes. They're, they're yeah. pulling the trick plays. And, and the centerpieces of the Bearcats' trick plays, which Butch didn't have a whole lot. He had them in the book, but he, he wasn't as aggressive going to them as maybe Brian Kelly was. Um, you know, they were sitting there together. I said, boys, are you, just gonna, are you, are you begging to empty the trick book at this point? Yeah. You know, everything that's left over in the playbook – from that coaching area, you guys, and they said we have a few. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what we can get in there. And they did run one with Jordan Lou Allen looking to throw it, and Jordan wisely saw that his guy was covered and, and tucked it and ran. Yeah. But and he was disappointed in of itself that he didn't get to throw it on that play because he's been waiting all season for that opportunity. Yeah. So so let's 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 go through this. Give me your give me your couple of you know two or three favorite moments or favorite plays of the season i i did a breakdown of some of these right for me myself on the blog uh and and i had a tough time picking yeah, picking between a few i i don't know you you start with yours you start with yours okay. and then we'll discuss well we've done this on the we did this on the tv show and and opening up to twitter to let them vote on the top five plays of the year so you know i i've thought about it quite a bit and i think you know first and foremost you have george wins run against pittsburgh that that kind of Says, hey, everything's okay. Everyone, nobody yeah. knew, you know, how how were you gonna replace Isaiah Pete and, and George Wynn 
showed how you replaced Isaiah Pede with the second most prolific rushing season in, in UC football history in 125 years. He has the second most single season yards for running back. So he, he set the tone there right off the bat on, on the first play of the year. You know, another one <coughs> excuse me, that I don't think gets a lot of attention is Cam Cheatham's pick six against Miami. Yeah. You know, Red Hawks have been getting their teeth kicked in in that rivalry, and they look like they had some momentum. They had the ball up six nothing. Yeah, Cheatham makes that pick six, and it completely flips the momentum of that ball game. Um, and then I think the trick play against Syracuse, you know, kind of in a in, yeah. a, in a dog fight against the Orange here at Nippert Stadium, and and the trick play swung the momentum and really propelled the Bearcats to that shared Big East championship. Certainly, that was the most entertaining play of the year. I mean, I oh no question. And, and the funny thing, so I, I I saw that your guys top five that finished third, and mm-hmm. I thought. I just can't believe that a play that unique and that was right. that was that you know fun to watch. Now, granted, it wasn't in the most dramatic spot, but I thought for sheer entertainment value, I thought that was the play of the year as far as just oh yeah, wow, that was awesome. And catching a team and off guard and perfect execution. perfect execution in, in a big spot and in what was a big game. I, I, I loved I loved that play, but I I would agree with the rankings in that it shouldn't have been number one. Only because, as far as drama goes, there's yeah. just no topping. Munchie and Damon L- L- Julian. Lagota Julian. I mean, right. just a, a special moment for anybody that was there and anybody watched. It was the one moment that made you jump off your seat and say, "Whoa! I can't believe right. I just saw that." Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and no disrespect to that play. You know, I, I was mentioning three. You know, from from different situations with that play. There's no question. Was one of the shining moments of. Yeah. of what has turned out to be a great 2012 season. And then this team, you know, overcoming, like we talked about, in the Belk Bowl, uh, being able to come from behind and, and do what they did and, and, you know, overcome a Duke team that really, really, really wanted to win a bowl game. I mean, that's not yeah. a bad Duke team. That, that team came to compete. They were ready to roll. Both teams, uh, you know, were in tough situations, and the Bearcats were able to overcome the adversity and, and get a 14-point win, and they should be applauded for that. Yeah, absolutely. A fun season full, lots of great moments. And I don't think anybody will be forgetting uh, no. Lagoda Julian any time in the near future. It'll be brought up many times. Uh, I, I want to real quickly touch on this team going forward and just a few people, a few storylines that you're paying close attention to. I think, you know, first and foremost, Brendan Kay being back with another year of eligibility, right. the way he played down the stretch and what he showed. And, you, I mean, you look the way he played in the Belk Bowl. I mean, incredible. And I think you feel really good about this offense because he's coming back. I feel like his development, him and whatever happens at the quarterback position has to probably be the top of the list of things to, to watch under as Tommy Tuberville's reign begins. Yeah, I think so, you know. I think everybody has to know they're competing for their position. Um, Pat O'Donnell's probably pretty safe at punter and Tony yeah. Emiliano at kicker. Um, but, you know, a new coach is in town, new sheriff's in town, means everybody needs to uh, to be ready to rock and roll. So, uh, But I, I think Brennan Case has set himself up well. He got that, that six-year granted. And, you know, I mean, obviously with the way they walked off the field, he should be the starting guy. But he's got to continue yeah. to work hard. they got a new strength staff in. That's going to transform some folks over the summer. And uh, I think Tommy will give everybody a look when they when they hit the field for practice in August. So, oh, I mean, and, and let's not forget in about spring football. In the spring, yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they're going to be back out on the field. Uh, I don't know, six, seven weeks or so. I think I think they they may start practice at the end of February this year. So, uh, with the bubble, you can do that. You can get some more evaluation in early. The academic calendar has been moved up at UC, so he has the whole spring to evaluate those guys, and then obviously he has August practice as well. So, I think I think it's great. I think there's great competition. There's good pieces back. 
Tuberville is going to bring in some other pieces, and it should be interesting moving forward. And I, I feel like what I walked away saying after so many games this year was I want to see Ralph David Abernathy touch the ball more. And uh, he was used in spots and used all over the field. Next year, I think you're, he's forced to be more of the go-to running back, getting getting more of the touches just straight uh, fr- from the backfield. And, you know, he's so explosive. A season where he could be getting 10 to 15 to maybe more carries a game is going to be as exciting as you can imagine. He has star potential written all over him. Oh, yeah. And, and I think he's clearly going to be a leader of this team. You saw that with all the stuff that went down. He was one of the players that came out and spoke the day after Butch Jones left as a sophomore. Right. Um, and, and, you know, he what he does on the field, off the field, he could be one of the, the, the true greats in the history of this program. And I feel like when you way you looked at Isaiah Pede going into his junior year, I look at Ralph David in his own light that way, a guy that's been so explosive in the spots he's been given, you can't wait to see him get more opportunities. And I think that's going to be one of the big storylines of this offense yep. is going to be how how he does if he continues to be as explosive as he was when you when he gets the ball now, you know, 10 to 15 more times a game. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think he will be. And I think they will, you know, look at his talents and use them as, as well as possible. And remember, he didn't have a kick return for a touchdown this year either, and he's going to continue – he, he nearly broke every one. I feel I like know. every time he would run, it would be a shoelace or just someone yep. barely grabbing him. I know he was pretty frustrated at the end of the year thinking that he was going to get one and, and felt like it was a no because he'd been so close. But, it, you know, there, there's few as explosive as him that you'll see anywhere right. in, in doing it. Um, so we talk football. Football is football is over. It's over. You know what's not over? What's not over? Basketball season. Basketball season's not over. This podcast isn't over. No, it's not. So we, we have to keep going. Okay. Well, we have time to fill. And, and to be honest, the good people that have listened this far into the podcast. They're sticking through. They're, they want basketball. The, the only ones left are the diehards, and they're here. They're going to be the ones that are going to be on, here on Saturday when St. John's comes in. They want to hear about their hoops. And 14th I feel ranked like team in the country. 14th ranked team in the country. I feel like it's on it's on our shoulders here. We we could probably talk for another 45 minutes, and these diehards still listening right now would keep listening. And we don't have 45 minutes left on the card. Oh, so, we don't? No. All right. Well, okay. Sorry, guys. I would go longer, but apparently we don't have We'll more. give you as much as we can. As much as we can. Until, and if it just cuts off, just know that we wanted to, but that's what happens. We'll get a new SD card sooner yeah. or later. But, Although I will say we shouldn't knock the setup right now. No, we got this is a strong this is a strong setup with your bedazzled microphone. We've got a, we've got a two mic setup. It, Have in, you checked out studio. my uh, my new addition to the bobblehead collection? Who's the, who's the new addition? Well, you're not gonna be able to tell from over here, but you have to check it out after. It's I, it's two power. There, there are now two powerful men at UC in the bobblehead collection. That's all I'm gonna tell you. President Ono, I thought I saw some one tweets about him being he's, being out there. Added he's the one of them. And there's another powerful UC man. Is there a wit? Is there a wit Babcock no, bobblehead? There no, should no, be. No. That'd be too powerful. Too powerful. <laughs> well, too you powerful. know, speaking of powerful men, I saw a tweet from you today. Tweeting out a, a young a young TG you like photo. That? Where did you find? Did you just track that down when you were at home? I've and you figured the people need to see what I looked like. I've when had I was it on four. my phone for a while, and I just uh, my mom sent it to me because it looks just like my son at like the same age. So I've had it on my phone. And I saw these people, uh, all these kids as they like to do on the Twitter is the Throwback Thursdays. So, oh, the kids! You know, the kids I had, I had like a throwback like the kids. I'm trying to stay you're young throwing here, it, You're throwing it way back. I'm getting old, man. It's not often that people tweet their own baby I'm pictures. Not, I'm not young like you, man. I'm trying, to, <laughs> trying, to, I'm trying, to stay, trying to stay young. Well, you have all your hair, and I don't. Well, and really, at that, day, at that point, it doesn't really matter. So I win. And you're the bald man now over, unfortunately. 2012 was year of the bald man. We thrived. 
my people, we were we were at the centerpiece of every what's big 12, story. What's 2013, year of what? Well, we'll find Top out, 10? but it ain't for bald people anymore. We don't get two years in a row, I can tell you that much. Okay. Uh, let's talk about basketball. Let's talk about basketball. No, Number 14 in the country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 14 in the country. And, uh, you know, it's not often that a team – two seasons in a row can go into the Pete and win as they did last year. They go in there and, and get the win on the first day uh, of 2012 and the last day of 2012. Uh, they go into in there and get another win. I don't care. People talk about, Oh, Pittsburgh was down last year and people question their non-conference schedule this year for, uh, you know, being a little weak and you didn't really know how good they are. That is a Jamie Dixon coach basketball team with a lot of quality players on it. And they only had one loss and, that's a that's a good team, and you went into mm-hmm. their building and won to open up your Big East season. Coming off a tough loss at home, when you played, when you shot particularly poorly right. in the first half, a lot of resiliency. You could tell talking, you know, hearing Mick talking with Dan and Chuck after the game, a lot of pride in his voice about the way his team played in that game. And, mm-hmm. and now the outlook looks a lot brighter when you show that kind of resiliency, perseverance, veteran leadership, and 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 grit. In yeah. a game, I think things look really great for a team that just continues to do nothing but win Big East basketball games. They bookended the year with a win there um, at the Peterson Event Center on the first day of 2012, and they wrapped up 2012 with another win there. And, uh, you know, you, you you hit the nail on the head. They're resilient. Um, they're, they've lost 20 games in that arena since it opened up. Mm-hmm. Um, they and, win about 90% of the time there. I would love to look it up and do some digging. I'd imagine Big East teams haven't won back to back. The last there. time, the last time I saw Syracuse this was about '08. It was about '07 or '08. Was the last time a team won there in back to back seasons. Right, now so a lot they, of that scheduling doesn't. You don't always go right. there two years in a row, but a lot of teams have, and uh, you see the first team to do it in wow. about four or five years. So, so there you go. I mean, it, it's a huge accomplishment, but there's 17 more Big East games to go. So it's it's one. It's good to get a road game. I mean, the Bearcats now have won 10 of their last 12 games away from Fifth Third Arena. That includes Big East Tournament, uh, NCAA Tournament. I mean, the only two losses in that stretch are Ohio State in the Sweet 16 and Louisville in the Big East Championship game. So, I mean, that's something to be applauded. Now you turn around and you got a great opportunity to come home and win two more Big East games. You have St. John's on Saturday at 4. You turn around and play a very, very good Notre Dame team at 6.30 on Monday. It's, you know, the Big Monday crew will be here. It's not – Formerly Big Monday yet, but those guys will be here calling the game on ESPN, um, you know, as a warm-up to the national championship game. And you know what? Uh, it's two opportunities to win. you got to get through St. John's, and then, and then you get Notre Dame on your home court. That's a, a great chance to improve to 3-0 in the Big East. And, you know, I want to talk about the Big East outlook for a minute because there's this feeling – and there always has been in the Big East about the traditional powers, and, and all this is about to change, you know, very soon. But yeah. in, in in where we're at with this season, the way it's always been, it's always been about Georgetown and Syracuse and Villanova and, and these old school powers that you talk about. And, and Louisville is rightly in there now. But listen, since the beginning of 2010 season, UC ranks third in conference wins. If you all you can be judged by as far as where you sit and if you're considered an elite program in this conference right. is how many conference wins have you have you gotten? Syracuse is one, uh, and UC is tied with Marquette at, at three. Um, you know Notre Dame uh, right ahead of them, uh, a couple ahead of them. That's 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 it, folks. I mean, for yeah. all of the, how long we talked about building this program to be an elite, how tough it is to. We at first talked about how tough it was to move from the back end of the Big East to the middle, and they did that. 
And then we talked about how ridiculously tough it would be to move from the middle of the Big East and to be considered an elite team. You now you're you have the third most Big East wins in the last few years. You've been to the Big East title game. You've really done right. it all except for win the thing. And I think you feel like you've got a shot to do that this year. Oh yeah, this is an elite program in the Big East. Period. End of discussion. Yep. Mick has gotten them there. The numbers prove it, and there's no denying it. Oh, and they're. Uh you know, they have a stronghold on being a top 25 program in the country right now. Yeah. I don't think anybody can deny them that. Um, you know, they lost one game to a very good New Mexico game, team. And, uh, you know, this is the type of year where if you stay healthy and you put it together at the right time, you could do something really special. I'm not going to sit here on January 3rd and tell you, you know, start engraving the trophy in Atlanta. The Bearcats no. are going to win a national championship. But you know what? Can they be a contender for a national championship this year? Heck, yeah. Can they be a contender for a Big East championship? Heck yeah, and I mean, if you're contending for one, you're basically contending for the for other. Those. Either way, either way you want to look at it. So, you know, I think this is a team that that fans should be excited about. They've done a good job of coming out and supporting the last few games, and they certainly should be here uh, Saturday and Monday if they want to see good good basketball and, and a great team out there competing. Yeah, you know what I will say. Uh, I thought one of the most encouraging crowds of the year was the Wright State mm-hmm. game. Oh yeah, uh, a great. ton of fans showed up. The students not in town, so you wondered, uh, you know, how many people were going to show up. But the the fans really came out. Uh, and the New Mexico again, they go over ten thousand uh, for the New Mexico game. The crowds, and that happens this time of year. But I thought typically a, a name like Wright State would not bring as many people in. But it, you could. To me, that was the biggest difference maker between this year and the past years as far as attendance and the following, people really understanding the quality of basketball they're getting there, was that many people showing up to see that game. Because they realized this has been – this is a, a fun atmosphere to be in. It's exciting. There's fire there now uh, in pregame introductions. Yes, sometimes. I mean, there will be fire for all the games the rest of the way. Pyro – although I will say I'm pretty sure it, it singed off my eyebrows I sit far you, too close to the fire. You can tell your lady friends that. Well, that's that's the only excuse I have for for uh, for my looks. That's what happened. That's what happened to my hair. It was I'll a, play it was a pyro. Incident. I'll tweet it because if you tweet it, yeah, it's official. So. Absolutely. Well, I I sit too close, so I decided that I think I need to back away. You want to go up in the corner? There's an auxiliary area. Only for the pregame introductions. No. I mean. I had to cover my, my laptop a little bit because I was afraid of melt. Yeah, melt off the J, and then every story is going to, gonna you know, I can't talk about jumpers anymore. Right. Yeah, I've got to uh, get real crap. Anyway, come for the fire, stay for the great basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And, and UC does a pretty good job of winning there, too. I mean, they've been unbelievable at home. It's, 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 a, it's a pretty great atmosphere. But um, this team, Titus Rubles, um, made a big impact in the game at Pitt. Uh, one that went a little under the radar, I would say, because um, his stat line w- wouldn't blow you away. But this team is a—it's just a different team when he is attacking under control and, and creating. Because it's—he's a player, and I've been—we've been saying this all year, but he's a player that this team has not had in that tall, athletic, driving slasher that's very long. Uh, that a lot of the elite programs have those guys, but they're hard to find. If his offensive game can be more consistently like what we saw in the second half against Pittsburgh, this team goes to a, to a whole new level. Oh yeah, there's no question. Um, you know, he can be a very important part of this team's success, and 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 he is part of that depth. I mean, Mick has since day one referred to him as a sixth starter mm-hmm. who just happens to come off the bench. Yeah, and that's a great tool for the Bearcats to have. Um, but he he needs to find that consistency. He's a junior college transfer and. When he transferred from junior college, it's a whole different ball game, especially in the Big East. It's one thing, 
you know, if you're maybe at a mid-major level, that's that's a jump too. But you're jumping now into the Big East. You got to be ready to giddy up and go. And and I and that's not to say that Titus is not. He's proven that he is. But can he be consistently ready to get up and go every single night? The Bearcats take the court. And if he is, then you're absolutely right. Bearcats are going to win more games than people are already expecting. And I think people already have uh, have their goals set at a pretty lofty number. Yeah. So you know they're they're at 14 now and. And counting or 15, 13, 13 and one, I guess, right yeah. now. So, you know, they go for 14 on Saturday, and uh, it's a team that, like I said, has an opportunity to do something very special. He'll be a big part of it. Big Dave Narsik coming off the bench. Dave Narsik. I mean, we got to talk effort? about what he did. I remember tweeting with about seven minutes when, 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 uh, when Sheck got his, got his fourth foul that, wow, these are going to be a big few minutes for him to see right. if he can hold it up. And not only did he hold it up, he took it to another level and was the biggest difference making the game. His great touch around the rim, affected balls. Two-minute possession for Cincinnati. He had three rebounds. They were all offensive rebounds. Yeah. Hustle. Hustle points. His, his sweet fadeaway banker off the window. Now, that's my kind of shot right yeah. there. <laughs> I, I'll hit you with a fadeaway bank shot off the window and in. Um, but you're right. He had the soft touch. He had a big bucket late. Um and, you know, he was he was as big a part of that win as everybody else. And that's great to see as well. Because in the first half, he didn't show, you know, the minutes that were like, dang, he's going to be a difference in the second half. But he came in, and, and, and the Bearcats needed him, and he stepped up in a huge way. Absolutely. So, remember, St. John's, Saturday, 4 o'clock, get there, see the game. Uh Taking three stimuli at once. Uh, listen to Dan Horde and the <laughs> Bengals. That, listen to Tommy I and watch. Buy you a hot dog at the game or something. Along those well, lines. at least maybe the leftover soft pretzels that are there when everything shuts uh, down. You can pass fine. those. Well, out. that's when I'll be available to pass them out. Yeah. So that's fine with me. <laughs> anyway, hopefully see everybody out there Saturday again. And then Monday, big Monday crew. That's a six thirty start. Yeah, uh, move your up. tickets printed at seven. It's six thirty. So all you people listening to the podcast, I know everyone that's going to be in attendance is listening to this podcast right now. Absolutely. So six thirty, show up. Uh, and look forward to seeing you there. Tommy, first podcast of 2013 in the books. Thank you for uh, Always for joining us. a pleasure. Happy that uh, I got renewed for another another year of the podcast with you. This is great. We don't, we don't go yearly. It's, it's week-to-week week basis. Week-to-week week basis. So if the ratings are bad, day, I'm done. Ten-day contract, buddy. Okay. you got to keep earning it. you know, you got to take what you can get. <laughs> Absolutely. Tommy, thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again next week. And that's a-